March 26th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, of course, with me virtually, as we've been doing lately. But also with us today, also virtually, is an experienced high-stakes player and friend of Draft Sharks, Adam Krautwurst. Adam, before we get to the football, should our listeners be worried about you doubling the German occupation of this podcast and bringing a German-Italian alliance with you? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. So, Adam, you finished fifth overall, I believe, in the FFPC main event this past season, right? Uh, yes. How long have you been playing uh, FFPC events? Oh, man, probably since since it started, I think. So the main event probably for only five or six years or so, and high, high stakes, stuff like that. But, yeah, I've been in the uh, FFPC since since the beginning. We did bring Adam on today specifically because he and Jared just recently completed a best ball draft on FFPC.com, myFFPC.com. Adam, what to you are some key differences or have been the key differences in drafting in the FFPC format versus everywhere else that you play? I love the FFPC really because of the the premium tight end scoring that adds a different a different dynamic, a different draft strategy than your normal regular flex leagues or two running backs, three receivers, one point PPR. Uh, but with the building with through the FFPC, I tend to draft a lot uh, more tight ends, obviously, with the 1.5 points per catch. And I uh, draft them earlier as well, as most people do when they when they get into the format. So, um, And I don't really have a specific like strategy as far as every single draft, what I do. I just kind of let the draft come to me. But I usually at the end of the year end up looking back and finding that I took a you know a tight end early and then usually supplement that with a tight end later on like the ninth through twelfth round ish hopefully hoping that one of them could pop off kind of like last year I had uh, I took a lot of Zach Ertz early and ended up with a lot of Austin Hooper late which worked out pretty well so if you can do stuff like that it kind of gives you a leg up. Do you differ your strategy at all for these best ball drafts from what you end up doing for the you know lineup setting leagues that you draft closer to the season in the same format? Absolutely. Yeah. The best balls are a whole different world. Usually with the best ball, I will draft running backs early, heavy and early and tight ends too. tend to push the receivers back quite a bit because in best ball, you know, you can draft a receiver in like the 17th round that can pop off a hundred yards in a score randomly two or three times a year. But with the running backs, it's really hard to find those late round running backs that are going to give you these random weeks as a you know a running back one that you need to kind of uh, keep it consistent throughout throughout the year. So I definitely go running back heavy early and tight end heavy. Uh, and you'll see in this draft that uh, that Jared and I did. I went running back early here as as well. But normal drafts, I'll just I'll go receiver receiver in in lineup setting drafts. You know whatever whatever it falls to me. Now, Jared, we talked best ball on here plenty of times. We talked FFPC, you know, plenty of times as well. I think people generally know the format. Two, it's two wide receivers, two running backs, two flex spots. Tight ends get one and a half points per catch as opposed to the single point for everybody else in the otherwise PPR format. For this particular draft, did you head in with any other strategies from what we normally hear from you other than trying to just beat up Adam? <laughs> yeah, well... 
Adam keeps coaxing me into these FFPC drafts. So I think like 75% of the drafts I've done so far this year have been with Adam, which which makes it tough because he is sharp. And it's funny, I think we have similar strategies in these best balls, you know, attacking the workhorse running backs early, trying to get a high-end tight end like Adam talked about. So that makes it tough drafting against him. But, you know, the, the other var- variable in this draft was that the draft started a couple days before the you know legal tampering period opened for NFL free agency. So when the draft started, we were still guessing about where a lot of these guys were going to land. And then, you know, we had some signings during the draft. So you, you had sort of a lot of guys moving up and down the rankings during the draft, which makes it fun, makes it challenging. But uh, I think there's definitely edges we can still gain doing a draft this early. Yeah, we'll try to add context to some of these picks because some of them differed a lot from where they would go today. But, you know, it's like... It shows you what you can get by drafting so early in the football calendar and also the risk of drafting so early in the football calendar. And, you know, you just kind of have to take all that into account when you're deciding whether to join one of these and who you pick once you have joined it. So let's jump right into it. Adam had the first pick in this draft. Jared was picking fourth. And, of course, Adam started off with Christian McCaffrey, which you are actually legally bound to do in all fantasy drafts in 2020. Jared, three spots later, Ezekiel Elliott. Really, it's a pretty standard round one with Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook going between your two picks. Adam, was there any thought of taking any other player there? No, not really. I mean, for now, McCaffrey's the guy. And to kind of follow up what Jared said earlier, just everyone in these drafts is, is, is sharp. You know, I mean, we're all lunatics that we're drafting in like February and March. So yeah, everyone, it's kind of hard to get an edge at this point in the preseason. So I just played it safe, took Christian McCaffrey. I think he's probably going to be the, the number one pick in, mo- in most drafts. You know, he outpaced the next best running back by eight points a game. And with the quarterback change, that doesn't really matter. In fact, it might, I mean, not much can help him, but because he's already at the top of his game, but you know, Teddy Bridgewater's not throwing it more than, you know, 20 yards downfield. So that'll work perfectly for him. And he's durable too, you know, so I, I, I'll admit I was wrong. I didn't think he was going to be that durable early on in his career, but he's just one of those guys that just finds a way to not take the big hits. And, you know, he's, he's crafty like that. So I think his durability and his effectiveness, he's no brainer pick. And it hasn't hurt him either. I think that along with the high volume receiving, it's fairly low volume rushing for a team's dominant number one running back. So he's taken a lot of touches, but the carries tend to wear more on running back than the receptions do. Jared, Ezekiel Elliott, is that who you were hoping for at four? Or would you have taken Barkley or Dalvin Cook if they got to you? I like the four spot because to me, it's sort of Christian McCaffrey in his own tier. But then Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott sort of make up the next tier for me. I think there's a bit of a drop off to Elvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, maybe Joe Mixon in that next tier. So, you know, at four, I was just sort of going to take whoever dropped me. I do like Saquon Barkley next best, but again, I don't think the drop off to Zeke Elliott is much, if any. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I think I like Cook and Elliott better because I trust their teams more to be successful and give them the goal line looks. But Barkley is the one that's closer to McCaffrey in terms of importance in the passing game and ultimate reception ceiling. So, I mean, I think they're all in in kind of the same territory here. We've talked about this before, but on the other end of it, the guy that I don't feel comfortable with that's in round one here is Aaron Jones, who went at the very bottom, number 12. I mean, I'm not saying that I have him way beyond that, and I haven't done all of my projections yet to know exactly how much I actually like Aaron Jones heading into the season, but I know that I'm not comfy taking him in round one, along with being extremely touchdown reliant last year, even his workload was highly volatile. So not only did he have four touchdown weeks to inflate his overall numbers, but 
I mean, we don't know week to week whether he's going to carry the ball 20 times or six times. Yeah, I actually have um, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, and Kenyon Drake now all ahead of Aaron Jones in my running back ranking. So I, I do, you know, to me, Aaron Jones shaping up more as like a mid-second round pick at this point. Mm-hmm. Adam, who do you think does not belong? And do you disagree with us on Aaron Jones? No, I definitely don't disagree with you guys. Jones makes me nervous right now. They just, they love involving multiple backs there. You know, I think he had like 19 touchdowns last year. I, I don't think he's, there's no way he's going to do that again. And then Der- Derek Henry too. He's another one that's in the first round mm-hmm. that the guy just doesn't ever, ever catch footballs. And to not have a lot of catches, I think he had 18 catches last year. To not have 20 catches and be in the top the first round, I just think it's going to be hard to hard to do that again. Yeah, certainly makes him a little bit more unsteady there. I agree in, in that range. I'm surprised that Travis Kelsey is not going a little bit earlier, either in this draft where he went 11 and in ADP, which is right about where he sits in FFPC ADP as well. I mean, obviously there's not a whole lot of room to move up and we're going to see a running back heavy first round, but I would personally take Travis Kelsey, I think at least eight in this first round ahead of everybody up through Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams is at eight. And I might even take Travis Kelsey in the format ahead of Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Michael Thomas is the only non-running back I'd take ahead of Kelsey. And then, you know, I think I'd go McCaffrey, Barkley, Cook, Zeke, and then Kamara, Mixon over Kelsey. So that would put Kelsey at uh, ninth overall for me. Yeah, you usually see a lot of those later first-round guys. If they pass on Kelsey, it's usually because they want to grab like Kittle or Ertz on the way back. But none of them did that, which Mm -hmm. I I found was, was interesting. Yeah, as you mentioned, we get into the middle of round two where George Kittle goes at at seven in round two, you know, lower than he was tending to go in FFPC drafts last year from what I saw. I agree. I think that made it a little bit more surprising that he slipped. We did have Josh Jacobs, Nick, Nick Chubb, the running backs that you mentioned, Jared, a few minutes ago. DeAndre Hopkins, for me, is the first name that jumps out to talk about here and he went as wide receiver four. He was a third pick of round two. And this draft was before the trade to Arizona. But his ADP has stayed in that same range since then. If you look at best ball tens, he's still right up there. Wide receiver three, wide receiver four. I think that I'm going to not be drafting DeAndre Hopkins heading into this year based on where he's likely to go. Adam, what, what do you think of Hopkins in his new spot? Yeah, you know, I feel like Hopkins is one of those guys where, you know, you take him as the fourth receiver, he probably won't finish fourth, but with him going to a high volume passing offense and still being DeAndre Hopkins, it's kind of a safe pick. Like, yeah, he might not finish fourth. He's definitely not going to finish first, but he's going to finish in the top eight or nine guaranteed almost, you know? So it's one of those safety picks, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking him fourth. Jared, what about you on DeAndre Hopkins now? We've had a little bit more space since last we talked about him. Yeah, with his move from Houston, Arizona, he dropped from number two in my wide receiver rankings to number five. He dropped behind Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones. Um, so, you know, Julio did go behind DeAndre Hopkins here. So that would have been my pick. I would have gone Julio over Hopkins if I was looking wide receiver in the second. I think I'm closer to Adam than than Matt on this. I just, you know, I, I believe in Hopkins. That, the Cardinals obviously believe in him. I, I believe in Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray to take a step you know, forward in their second year in the league with a wide receiver like Nuke there now. So um, the, the volume is probably going to come down a bit, but, but I think the efficiency, you know, should stay the same, if not maybe improve a little bit mm. in Arizona. So, um, you know, Hopkins still a guy I'd be willing to take in the second round, maybe a few spots later than he went right here. I think the volume's coming down a lot. And I honestly, I don't, I don't see why his efficiency would improve in his new spot. 
Yeah, um, I I just think Arizona's offense could could be better than what Houston's has even been over the past couple seasons now. Oh, we'll get more into it as we get closer to the season, but uh, I think that Arizona offense might be heading for being overrated this season as well. Elsewhere in that round, Miles Sanders was running back 13. He's another player that's just going a little bit early for my comfort level. I'm taking Austin Eckler over Miles Sanders. Jared, what do, what do you think of Miles Sanders right now? They haven't added anything. They lost Jordan Howard. So, you know, right now it's Miles Sanders and Boston Scott there. We'll see what the draft brings. I do think they'll probably add a bigger back, but I I think it probably won't come until the fourth, fifth round. So I do think Sanders is in line for a role closer to what we saw over the second half of last season. I do have Austin Eckler one spot ahead of Sanders in my rankings right now, though. I mean, it took the Jordan Howard injury to get him to that level. And history just tells us that Doug Peterson wants it to be a committee. Adam, are you comfy with Miles Sanders in the middle of round two? I don't know. I think it depends on how, how I start my, my draft. And it's so early to, to tell, too, with Miles Sanders. Um, you know, the NFL draft is going to really dictate a lot of like what how they feel about Miles Sanders. If they if they don't draft any big-name running backs or any significant running backs uh, in the NFL draft, I think Miles Sanders is probably good to go in the, you know, the end of the second round. You know, the, the, you guys brought up Austin Eckler. He's another one that just kind of makes me nervous. The guy had 90-something catches last year and only 500 rushing yards. So he's another one that's like, if he doesn't get, you know, the right quarterback throwing him the football out of the backfield every time, then, you know, he's one that, that could drop significantly too. Yeah, after I look at Sanders and say that he makes me uncomfortable there, I try to look and see who behind him I'm really more comfortable with. And there's there's not a whole lot. I'm probably taking Eckler and maybe Kenyon Drake ahead of him. But they're, those are all very similar prospects and it's going to come down to exactly what the touches look like for everybody if one of them somehow gets a whole lot more target volume than the others and if one gets a lot more touchdown chances so there are lots of variables at at play for all of those players and you know lots to still settle out in each of their situations late in round two we had Jared take Chris Godwin with the ninth pick of the round before Adam got the turn Jared why Chris Godwin ahead of teammate Mike Evans this pick was obviously made before any quarterback changes happened in Tampa Bay. And even when, you know, I, I made the pick and I honestly, at that point still thought it was going to be Jameis Winston back in Tampa. Even then I didn't love this. It was just sort of, you know, he's the top guy on my board. I would have rather had another running back here, but you know, again, with guys like Sanders and Eckler gone, I would have been reaching. I felt like Tom Brady is a better real life quarterback than Jameis Winston, obviously. But I, I think Tom Brady is a downgrade from a fantasy perspective, even for Chris Godwin. I, I think it's a bigger downgrade for Mike Evans, but I think Chris Godwin's numbers are going to take a step back this season. Um, so again, I'm not super excited about this pick. Like if I had to do it again, I'd take Amari Cooper over Chris Godwin at this spot. I agree with that. Uh, Adam, what do you think of Jared saying that you reached for your two rookie running backs at the turn, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift? <laughs> is he talking about me behind my back? What's going on over here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I did. I think I think one of them is going to at least have value when it comes to August, whether it's Taylor or Swift, depending on their landing spots. Um, I think uh, Taylor. Now I see you grabbed that duo there just so you could get Taylor Swift at the turn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hey, maybe that'll be my fantasy team name for for this team. But um, yeah, I mean, I think one of them is going to have value. One of them is going to get drafted. Hopefully, you know, the Rams, Dolphins, or Colts, or Bucks. You know, we'll jump in there and grab one of these two young stud backs, and um, that would be kind of, the, for me, the perfect landing spot. Um, you know, Taylor had a great combine. Obviously, he had, had a great college career. Some people think Taylor's similar to, to Zeke and uh, his style of running and stuff like that. So uh, I'd obviously love to see both of them with, with one of those teams that we had mentioned before. And, you know, Swift is a, 
all-purpose back. But yeah, I just kind of went with the twofer here. Hopefully, uh, you know, one of them could end up being maybe end of the first round, depending on where, where they go. So taking a shot. Yeah, and I we're, we talked about it. This is a range where running back gets uneasy, and then it gets ugly fairly quickly after that. So I, I think taking two shots, you know, gives you a better chance of at least one guy hitting for you. I certainly like Taylor very much. I have not watched DeAndre Swift a whole lot yet, so I'm still forming my opinion on him. Um, behind them, the running backs in this round were Le'Veon Bell, Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, Devin Singletary, Todd Gurley. We'll talk about Gordon and Singletary or Gordon and Gurley in a minute. But first, it was Jared taking Le'Veon Bell at number four, which is I, even if I didn't know that you were picking fourth in this round, Jared, I could have said that that was your pick. <laughs> right, Le'Veon Bell in the third, like I've done in almost every FFPC draft I've done so far this off season. Kenny and Drake went right behind Le'Veon Bell in this draft, obviously before. Drake even got that uh, transition tag before David Johnson was shipped to Houston. So again, if I could do it over, I would easily prefer Drake over Bell. But I, I still like Le'Veon Bell in the third round. I think his volume is super safe. Um, you know, last year was about as bad as it could have gone for Le'Veon Bell. He still finished 16th among running backs in FFPC points. I think that's pretty much his floor. I'll take that in the third round. And I, I still think he could pop back up into the top 12 this season. I don't see a a top 12 revival. I, I can't argue too much with him at RB 17. I think we're probably heading for a little bit of arm wrestling over exactly where to slot Le'Veon Bell in our 2020 ranking. But I mean, in addition to the situation just being bad, Adam Gase's offense has, has stunk overall since he left Peyton Manning. And last year, Le'Veon Bell rated second worst in football outsiders rushing efficiency among all 45 qualifying backs. He was ahead of only Peyton Barber in that category. So to me, just betting on any bounce back from an aging running back who has showed a downturn in a scheme that has not worked in the past three stops. is just a bad bet. I think that's fair. And I'm not, I'm not super optimistic about the jets in 2020 here, but, but again, even if bell does what he did last season, I'm, I'm basically breaking even with this pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited to listen to you guys banter for the next six months <laughs> about Le'Veon Bell. It's going to, it's going to be fun. As I mentioned later in this round, Mel- Melvin Gordon, went Todd Gurley went it was obviously well before Melvin Gordon signed with Denver I think he will slide well past this range now in such drafts Todd Gurley went at the end of round three is running back 21 that's I would guess that that's probably in the range where he will go now that he's a Falcon I haven't checked the draft since that happened Adam do you think that's a a decent range for him oh man yeah I just the volume's going to be there and I think the talent is obviously there it's just that that, that need that just nobody knows. So I would be willing to take him at that, at that spot, depending on how on my team build. And um, I think this guy ended up, yeah, he went running back, running back, running back. So again, early best mm-hmm. balls. Why not take a shot on him? Um, maybe he's Todd Gurley from three years ago when he proved everybody wrong, or maybe he's, you know, um, Devonta Freeman from last year where, you know, he just didn't live up to expectations. Jared, what about you? You think Gurley belongs right in that ring? Uh, yeah, I have him ranked a little higher than this. I have him at running back 15 now in the, the rankings I just put together. Devontae Freeman, who, you know, basically by any metric you look at, PFF grades or efficiency stuff, Freeman was worse than Todd Gurley last season, and Freeman finished 19th among running backs in PPR points. So I, I think if Gurley, like Adam said, if that knee can just hold up, he can stay on the field, get even just the volume that Devontae Freeman got last year, I think, you know, he, he should finish in that mid-range running back two range. Yeah, I mean, clearly the Falcons think that they upgraded from Freeman to Gurley because they dumped Freeman and then uh, picked up Gurley. So I think he's fine in this range. Not, I'm not going to get excited about him, but I think he's okay here. 
And wide receiver, Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson are two guys that I think are quite capable of outscoring DeAndre Hopkins this season. So I'm not saying that I would take those guys in the middle of round two ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, but it's certainly at least enough reason for me to pass on Hopkins in round two and take either of those guys in round three. I'm with you there, Matt. Um, Cooper, especially, you know, to me, I'd be fine taking him about a full round earlier than he went here. And I think Robinson is a nice value at the end of the third when you, you know start to look at the type of volume he should be seeing this season in Chicago. Before them, a wide receiver in this round, we had Kenny Galladay go wide receiver eight, number two in round three. And we saw DJ Moore go with the sixth pick around three. That would be wide receiver nine. Adam, do you think that either or both of those guys is in the right place? Yeah, I'm not really sure on those, on Galladay and Moore. I think, well, actually, I am sure on Moore now. I would definitely drop Moore down with the addition of Robbie Anderson there. Um, I think that three mouths to feed is way too much. Um, especially for Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. And that's just, just the receivers. That's not even including Curtis or McCaffrey. So, yeah, I definitely would bump more down six, significantly. Uh, Kenny Galladay, got, he's got the talent, and I think he was doing well with um, before the quarterback got hurt there last year. But So Galladay, I, I could see, but more definitely not. And for what it's worth, I just checked the Best Ball 10's uh, ADP just from the past six days. Uh, and, it, you know, granted, that, that's still at the tail end of um, Robbie Anderson joining the team. But DJ Moore is up in that range over there, too. Top eight in wide receiver ADP. So people love him this year. I'll be curious to see if he drops much further. Yeah, I'm sort of in between, I think, where Adam is in ADP. I have DJ Moore ranked wide receiver 12 right now. I think he's good enough where even the addition of Robbie Anderson is not going to eat a ton into DJ Moore's volume. I think it, you know it's going to come maybe out of the tight end position a little bit, maybe a little bit from Curtis Samuel. Christian McCaffrey you know, probably won't see another 140 targets or whatever he did this past season. So I think Moore is fine. I do think you know wide receiver eight or nine is a bit too rich. Um, the other guy we should talk about here that for me has moved way up, and I'm trying to see where he went in this draft, though, is Adam Thielen with um, you know Stefan Diggs out of Minnesota now and we'll see what they add in the draft but I think Adam Thielen is a you know in line right now to finish like top six top seven in the NFL in target so I think he's a guy that has moved ahead of players like Kenny Galladay and even DJ Moore for me and he went in round six of this draft I'll be surprised yeah. I think he'll climb from there but I'll be surprised if he climbs beyond round four so I certainly think there's room for Adam Thielen to be a good value yeah, Thielen will definitely rise, and I would take Thielen over over DJ Moore. Um, I just I have a slight obsession with with Robbie Anderson. I think he's, you know, I think he's definitely undervalued. I think it's it's his off field stuff that teams really don't like about him. And obviously, Adam Gase is a complete moron, so he couldn't get him the ball last year. But I think uh, I think Robbie Anderson definitely kills. It just kills the value of all those receivers there. I think. Yeah, it's, it's really going to come down to specific price to me, how far DJ Moore goes. I'm probably not going to be on board with DJ Moore, especially if he's going in the same range as Allen Robinson, I think, is the undervalued one here because he's as good or better as any of these players just as a, a receiver. And he's in the best spot of all of them now to hog targets. He played through bad quarterback play last year and delivered top seven fantasy numbers. I don't see any reason why he can't do so again this year. We're either going to get Mitchell Trubisky playing better or Nick Foles taking his job. So I think at worst, QB play should be at the same level it was for the Bears last year. Matt's Allen Robinson crusade has already started in full force here. We're only <laughs> As, I did not see it coming. I never would have thought I would go into the offseason championing a Bears receiver. I'm with you. The more I've thought about it, and I, and I haven't done projections yet. I know you, Matt, have started to. I haven't done projections, but the more I look at it, I do think, 
Robinson, you know, should belong safely inside the top 10 wide receivers right now. Yeah. And the big difference between this, between last year and what he did in Jacksonville was in Jacksonville, he did it with 14 touchdowns last year. He only scored seven. So we're not talking about this grossly inflated number, but I'll, I'll try to save that for later so we can get through more of the picks in this draft into round four, where we had the second quarterback leave the board at the top, Patrick Mahomes at 401. Of course, Lamar Jackson went at his usual spot in the middle of round three. Then it was Odell Beckham, James Conner, Cortland Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Darren Waller, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram. And then you guys picked, Jared took J.K. Dobbins at the ninth pick in round four. He's a 25th running back off the board. Um, Jared, is J.K. Dobbins third on your rookie running back list? You know, I, I'm not done. I got to dig into the running backs more, but you know, just from some of the advanced metrics I've seen and just from watching these guys play over the past couple of seasons. I have Dobbins just ahead of DeAndre Swift right now, but but they're super close and landing spot will definitely determine, um, you know, who's higher in my dynasty rankings, who's higher in my redraft rankings. But I, I just think Dobbins is, is a pretty good bet to be a, you know, say top 50 pick in the draft next month. And if that's the case, I think he's he's a good volume bet. He's a guy who, you know, will, will have a good shot at 200 plus total touches. I agree with that. Uh, Adam, were you mad at Jared for keeping you from cornering the running back market among rookies? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted four, I wanted three straight rookie running backs, but I actually was, uh, it was a coin flip for me, honestly, between Swift and Dobbins. I took Dobbins in a draft earlier. Uh, so I figured I would, uh, I would go with DeAndre Swift in this one. So yeah, it's really landings. They're both very talented. Landing spot is going to be the big key here. And I think that's one of the key to best ball drafting too, is it's, it's not a good idea to just take your favorite player every time, especially if your favorite player happens to be Le'Veon Bell in round three, because you know, <laughs> if you take this guy on 80% of your teams and he goes down, then that's a big disadvantage for 80% of your teams all of a sudden. So I think it's good to, to remember to try to differentiate a bit in between your picks here, Keenan Allen, Marlon Mack left the board. And then Adam, you did take AJ Brown, at uh, the 12th pick of the round. How do you feel about him heading into the season? Yeah, it's crazy. I actually saw him go like top 10 in a draft uh, like two months ago or something, which was insanity. Um, And maybe that put me on a little bit more, but uh, he's obviously talented. Uh, His yards per route run uh, were most by a rookie in the last five years. Um, You know, I I think he was what Corey Davis was, was supposed to be just that big downfield (laughs) physical threat. And he finished, he finished the year with only 52 catches, which is insane. I think there's no way he doesn't get more than 52 catches this year, even though it is a very low, uh, low volume passing attack. But I think he's the type of receiver you're looking for in these, in, in these best balls, you know, the guy who, who can put up just those monster games. Um, you know, it's not awesome to have him as your number one, but when you go running back, running back, running back, sometimes that's, that's what happens. And you can tell how close we are to Canada now that we have two guys on the show who stay root instead of route. <laughs> Fellow rooter, I like it. Yes. <laughs> Jared, any other notable picks in this round for you? Yeah, so I'll save it for AJ Brown. I think this is the right spot for him. Like Adam said, I've seen him go in the, the second round a lot. I think that's just crazy when you sort of project his volume in this run heavy Titans offense. He he'd have to, you know, have otherworldly efficiency to to pay off that price tag. But fourth round, end of the fourth round, it's a nice pick there. I I'll say too about all these running backs in the fourth round, James Connor. Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, and then Marlon Mack, all these, you know, veteran running backs, they all worry me. I think these are the type of guys who might end up losing their starting jobs to, you know, one of these incoming rookies. I think Connor Carson and Ingram especially scare me. I think Mack is a bit safer after the Colts traded their first round pick away. I I sort of doubt they 
trade their first round pick and then, you know, invest a second round pick in a running back. But um, Connor Carson and Ingram, especially, I'm, I'm a bit worried to draft them right now because I think one of them, if not multiple of these guys might lose their jobs. I'm with you on Carson and Ingram. I'm not so worried about Connor because the Steelers don't have much in the way of picks. I want to say that they have just one pick among the top 50 to 60, or maybe it's the first three rounds, but I, I, they're, they're not dripping with draft capital. So uh, I can't say that I, I love the idea of drafting Connor, but also in round four, I think he's a, a solid shot to take. Yeah, that's a good point about the draft picks. And I'll, I'll throw Carrion Johnson, who actually was the next running back off the board mm-hmm. here at um, 5'3". I'll throw him right in that mix with Ingram and Carson as a guy who definitely might not be his team's lead back by the time we get to week one. I agree. Round four, round five, though, are, are running backs that interest me if I didn't get if it, you know, if I didn't start running back heavy, like I didn't like the running backs that were making it to me at my spot at my picks in the first three rounds, then I would look to the guys that did go at that position in rounds four, round five here as chances worth taking, knowing that I'm going to insure them with, uh, you know, other players throughout the rest of the draft round five. Let's start with Adam's top pick. It's Austin Hooper, who was the sixth tight end off the board. And Adam, what do you think of Austin Hooper, who I believe has since landed with Cleveland since you made this pick, right? Yeah, it was it was after I, I picked him, and I probably have some recency bias with Hooper. I he you know I had him all over the place last year. He was so he was so good. I know you guys were high on him too. Um, and just you know when they initially when I saw Cleveland picked him up, I was like sick. I'm like because you know they already have obviously Njoku there, but then you know Stefanski loves his two tight end sets. He uh, so I think he's you know and why would you spend you know, huge money on a tight end like that and bring him in if you're not not, not going to use him. So we'll, we'll have to see. Only, only time will tell. Yeah, I, I mean, I think David Njoku is, is sort of dead to the Browns at this point. Um, you know, Hooper obviously does have stiff target competition with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry there. On a Browns team that I think is going to throw quite a bit less than the Falcons have over the past two seasons. So Hooper definitely moved down my rankings. Um, but, you know, he's, he's still a top 10 tight end for me. Yeah, I'm not sure where he's going to settle out for me. It might even be... 12 or so. I, I like Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry, who were the other two tight ends in this round ahead of Austin Hooper because of those issues that I think are popping up for him. And I mean, he certainly could be the number three target of that offense, might be fourth behind Kareem Hunt, but the two wide receivers are, have both been target hogs in their early careers so far, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. So, I mean, we only have a year plus three games, I think, of Kevin Stefanski as offensive coordinator. So we're still learning what his offense is actually going to look like. But I, I, I'm i more worried than I am optimistic about Hooper and Cleveland. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. If, if the draft was now, I mean, if I was going off of this board, I would I would have taken Ingram and Hunter, Hunter Henry over him if I knew, knew he was in Cleveland. Jared, you took Evan Ingram at the fourth pick here, the seventh tight end off the board. How are you feeling about him? Because I there's there's some general apprehension I've found about Evan Ingram out there. Right, and I think the apprehension is with his injury issues, and you know that, that that's a concern. We, we've seen plenty of guys, especially early in their careers, struggle staying healthy, and then they sort of figure it out as they get a bit older. So that's sort of what I'm hoping for with Evan Ingram here. You know, I got him as the seventh tight end off the board. He was tight end six in uh, FFPC points per game last year, actually finished just ahead of Mark Andrews. Um, Ingram finished tight end seven in 2018. He was tight end five as a rookie. Um, you know, he, he's still a young guy. He's uh, 25 years old now. So I still think he should be on the ascent. And, and just in general, I'm sort of buying this Giants offense. And I took a few other pieces of it later in this draft. But I think, you know, if Daniel Jones takes a step forward in year two with the weapons they have, this this could be, you know, one of the better passing games in the NFL. 
And new coordinator Jason Garrett was certainly friendly with uh, tight end targets back in Dallas. Um, we'll see if that continues. But I, I agree. I'm on board with the upside in Engram here. And I'm not – if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I can get some tight end insurance later in the draft. Later in this round, we had Stephon Diggs go as the 18th wide receiver. That was before the trade to Buffalo. If he stays in that range, I'm okay with him. I wouldn't get excited about Stephon Diggs at wide receiver 18, but I think that's probably the range in which he belongs. What do you think, Adam? You should be excited about all Buffalo Bills pieces. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's just a silly, it's a silly question. Yeah, I like I'd like Diggs. I, I don't know exactly where John Brown finished last year, but. Uh, as far as rankings wise, but I think a maybe tw- 15 to 20, some, somewhere in there. But I think, you know, he's going to be the definite number one there. They've been trying to get a Stefan Diggs type receiver for a couple of years now for Allen. They, they tried to get, you know, Antonio Brown last year. They tried trading for him. That didn't really work out. Um, and Diggs is kind of like a poor man's Antonio Brown. So I think they're going to do some stuff with him. I think they've been waiting for a player like Diggs. They gave up, you know, a lot for him. So I think to me, he's definitely a top, a top 20 receiver. I think Raheem Moster, Damian Williams, and Philip Lindsay are risky running backs well worth taking in this range. They're running back 29, 30, and 31 in this draft. Certainly, Kansas City is probably going to add another running back, I would bet. But if we're talking about mid-running back three range for a guy that has showed us two straight years now that when he does get lead back touches in Kansas City, he has an extremely high week-to-week ceiling. I, I like the the discount on Damian Williams this time around. And then, you know, similar on the other two, Mostert is in San Francisco, and just San Francisco running back is a valuable thing. And Philip Lindsay, he's certainly not going to climb beyond this point now that Melvin Gordon's there, I don't think. Yeah, Damian Williams is a guy that I shot up my you know, post-free agency running back rankings. I have him at running back 18 now. As, as far as I heard or, or read that the Chiefs didn't really show any interest in adding another running back in free agency. You know, they, they do still have the draft. I think they'll add someone, but if it's not, you know, one of these top five running back prospects, a guy they take in the first, you know, two, three rounds, I think Damon Williams is going to enter the season as the lead back. And like you said, Matt, we saw what he can do in that role. He was a guy that was going, what, at the two, three turn a year ago. And there's a chance he's, you know, in the role everyone thought he was going to be in last year. So I like Damon Williams in the fifth round. Philip Lindsay's the guy with Gordon in Denver now, um, to me, he's more like a seventh or eighth round pick. So are you taking Melvin Gordon ahead of him? Oh yeah, easily. I, you know, I, I just, I think they went out and got Melvin Gordon, the money they're paying him. I think, I think it's going to be, you know, something like a two to one split um, in favor of Gordon as far as touches go over, over Philip Lindsay. Adam, what do you think about Melvin Gordon versus Philip Lindsay? Yeah, same, same here. Gordon's, you know, Gordon's the workhorse and Gordon can catch too, obviously. So, uh, which was interesting because Lindsay, you thought Lindsay would have been like the pass catcher last year and Freeman, the bell cow back, but it was kind of the, the opposite role. So I think Lindsay, Lindsay took a, took a big hit here. Yeah. As far as lineup setting leagues go, it's going to be a backfield for me to just avoid because I can't imagine it being anything other than frustrating. Yeah, but you're curious to see where Gordon falls to now. I mean, I, I wasn't taking him in the third round at the time of this draft, I think. Now, if I looked at this board, I'd put him in the fourth round, you know, in the mix with those guys like uh, James Conner and J.K. Dobbins. We'll see how the rest of the the fantasy industry uh, values Gordon in Denver. Round six went wide receiver heavy. Adam Thielen left the board first at the position, third pick around six, wide receiver 20 overall. Then it was Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Michael Gallup. Then Jared fell asleep and got Edelman <laughs> at the ninth pick. Jared, what excites you about Julian Edelman besides him just being there when the clock runs out? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think it's 
I think it's these damn West Coast guys. Or like, I, I I go to bed at like ten thirty, and I think the draft's done for the night, and they rip off like twenty picks. I I, I actually timed out on this pick and my seventh round pick. You know, I got Jarvis Landry in the seventh, which. I'm actually okay with, but Edelman in the sixth, even when at this point, I still expected Tom Brady back in New England. Even at that time, I didn't like the pick. And now with Brady gone, and I think Edelman belongs, uh, you know, two or three rounds lower than this. Yeah. Edelman, Edelman without Tom Brady uh, probably wouldn't start for my flag football team. I'm just throwing, throwing it out there. <laughs> Edelman without Tom Brady might start a quarterback for the Patriots. There you go. Hey, that'd, be, that'd be nice. Him. That'd be nice. There you go. You can get old Taysom Hill. <laughs> I tell you, the, the guy I actually would have taken if I was awake when I was on the clock here would have been Tyler Boyd, who Adam got at six twelve. I'm surprised that you didn't say David Montgomery, who went the pick after Julian Edelman too. Not, su- I'm just sort of may on Montgomery at this point. I, I like the volume, but I think his rookie year was more disappointing than not. And with three running backs already on board here, um, mm-hmm. I think it was time to get a wide receiver. I just wish it wasn't Julian Edelman. <laughs> I think at running back 32, I mean, I you know, I, I yeah. said lots of stuff about David Montgomery heading into last season, but at running back 32 this time around and after getting the clear lead share, I think he's at least a solid value and has some upside from this range. Yeah, I think he's a safe pick just just with the volume that seems like it's locked in. I don't think Chicago is a is a candidate to take one of these early round running backs. Uh, at the six seven turn, Adam went Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel with back to back picks. Tell us what you were thinking about those two guys. I love Boyd. I've I've had Boyd I think his whole career, but even before he went off, I just I think he's thought he was super talented. He's one of these slot guys that just doesn't matter who you put at quarterback. You know, he's crafty, he's getting open, um, and I think he's obviously going to have a huge. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say an upgrade, maybe year one over Dalton, but I think that, you know, they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. And I think these slot guys can build chemistry pretty easily. Yeah. So I just, I just think he's good there. He's 25 years old. He's in his prime. And even if AJ Green stays, if they don't trade him or whatever, he had an even better year the year before with, with AJ Green. So I think it's just a, it's just a good, nice, safe pick there. He might even be on like, uh, you know, Draft Sharks always does that, you know, 10 safest players. I'm making a, I'm making a bid right now for, for, for Tyler Boyd. <laughs> I think he should be on that list because people continue to not want to draft him. And like you said, two years ago when we did get half a season of AJ Green, Tyler Boyd got a larger target share when AJ Green was on the field than when AJ Green was not on the field. So getting AJ Green back does not hurt. Tyler Boyd and I agree the quarterback will see what Joe Burrow looks like in his rookie season but he's probably not going to be a downgrade from Andy Dalton. I expect Burrow to be an immediate upgrade over Andy Dalton. I think Boyd's volume is super safe so again in the sixth round you're welcome Adam for for letting Boyd get to you there. <laughs> Devo Samuel solid as the number one wide receiver for the Niners at, at wide receiver 28 off the board. Then we had Darius Geis, Kareem Hunt and a sleeping Jared Smola picked Jarvis Landry. With the fourth pick, I think he looks good at wide receiver 29. And I say that as somebody who has basically perennial, perennially been, I don't want uh, Jarvis Landry this year because this is going to be the year that he stinks. Yeah, my only concern with Landry is just that hip injury that I, he had surgery on. And it's you know, spo- supposed to keep him sidelined, I think, you know, up until a training camp. Hopefully, hopefully he's ready for the start of camp. But that's the only concern. If Landry's healthy, I think he's almost a lock to, to beat this price tag. None of us are going to be leaving our houses before the beginning of training camp anyway. So he's just going to be like, we're all going to be dragged down the same way. True. Oh yeah. I like Jarvis Landry too. He's, he's, you know, he's another one of these slot guys. It's just, he gets, he's going to get his touches. He's going to get his volume. Uh, Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a safe pick there. Good pick, Jared. And Baker Mayfield (laughs) should get better this year with different coaches there. I don't think that the Freddie kitchen staff was the way to go. After your wide receiver picks, we had Kyler Murray leave the board as the fourth quarterback, which I still think, 
I, I certainly think he can score at that level or even above that level, but I think it's nuts to take Kyler Murray as the fourth quarterback in drafts right now, especially when right after him are Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, two guys who are already doing what we're hoping Kyler Murray will be able to do. Yeah, I, I have Kyler Murray ranked as my fourth quarterback right now. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to take him in the seventh round. I think, you know, that that's closer to his ceiling, obviously. Um, there's still some risk with a second year guy in this in this offense with a head coach just going into a second NFL season. So Murray's a guy I, I can already tell he's just going to get priced out of my range this season. Yeah, same same here. It's you know these high end quarterbacks are almost when it comes to drafting like kickers and defenses to me. I don't I don't even draft them, so I don't even really even like look at them. So <laughs> if you're going to put Kyler Murray in the top four, he's probably going to have a good year or whatever. But I just I never draft a quarterback that high. It's just the just the draft shark's blood running through my veins. I just can't even if I want to do it. It's only a thirty five dollar draft, and I you know should have probably pulled the trigger on a quarterback early, but I just can't I I can't do it. T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver 31, I think, is kind of absurd. Uh, yeah, I think he's undervalued there. I have some concerns with Hilton that maybe he's just you know starting the downturn now. I think he's like 29, so he should still have a couple good seasons left in him. My bigger concern is Philip Rivers, um, just what he has left in the tank, and really, you know, can can he hit T.Y. on those downfield shots? Yeah, same here. Hilton, Hilton. I just don't know what to think about him yet. I got it. You know, I feel like he's always banged up. He's he's smaller. I mean, if, if he can build chemistry with Rivers, Rivers has proven that. You know, if he falls in love with a guy, he'll throw it to him a thousand times. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way he supported Keenan Allen, even last year when Philip Rivers looked like he was declining, Keenan Allen still finished top seven fantasy. I, I think there's room for T.Y. Hilton to be even a shorter range guy, even if they don't work out downfield. But Philip Rivers has traditionally been better downfield than what he looked like last season. So I don't know. I, I, I think at wide receiver 31, we're drafting below T.Y. Hilton's healthy floor. Yeah. That's fair. And, you know, it's interesting you, you, you mentioned Keenan Allen because the, the Colts did sort of change how they used T.Y. Hilton last year. I didn't have to look up the exact numbers, but I, they, they used him more on shorter stuff. Last year, I think, you know, that they were working to get the ball out of Brissett's hands quicker. So, you know, I, I don't think T.Y. is as good as Keenan Allen as that, you know, short intermediate range guy. But I think he can he can be something close to it. And maybe maybe he and Rivers, you know, sort of form a bond pretty quickly in that type of role. In round eight, we had Adams QB one, Josh Allen go with the mm. second. Pick. Was he QB seven off the board? Is that that's way too late for him, right, Adam? Absolutely. He's the only guy. Uh, on my board that I even have ranked as for a quarterback that I would even look at inside the top 10. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, what, what was he last year? It was a top six or seven Q, QB. So, but all joking aside, I, I'm unfortunately, if he's going to go this high, I probably won't have, won't have a lot of Josh Allen this year. Yeah. I think he's fair at QB seven, but it's probably before I would draft him elsewhere in this round. We had CD lamb leave the board as the first rookie wide receiver middle of round eight seems fine. Then it's outside of it's like the bottom of wide receiver three range. It's it, it might be a little bit high, especially before we know landing spot, but it's not, you know, outrageous. I do think Jared, and you can tell me if you agree with me that I would easily take Will Fuller over CD lamb in this case. Yeah. And, and I got fuller here in the eighth and, and I lucked out here. Cause I, I think this, this might've been the first pick or, was, you know, it was the, first few picks after the DeAndre Hopkins trade that I got in the clock and was able to take Will Fuller here. Um, you know, I, I moved him up to wide receiver 26 in my updated rankings. Yeah, I think that puts him in like the sixth or seventh round range. So I, I think I got, you know, a couple, couple of rounds of discount here, you know, the injury stuff, obviously a concern, but I think Fuller, you know, if he can even, you know, soak up an extra target or two from what 
DeAndre Hopkins leaves behind, I think, you know, he, he's going to give us some massive games this season. Yeah, he, granted, he's bound to rise from this level, but even over the past six days in best ball tens, Will Fuller's still wide receiver 30. So I think that people are a little bit slow in reacting to DeAndre Hopkins leaving Houston. I just think a lot of people hate Will Fuller because, you know, mm-hmm. the guy you know, admittedly does have issues staying on the field. So I, I think his, his ADP is going to stay in that wide receiver three territory. Yeah, you really just have to look at him as like a per game player as opposed to what he'll give you for the season. Yeah, I definitely got sniped on Will Fuller. I want, I wanted him. Uh, I mean, Will Fuller. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. People hate Will Fuller. Will Fuller's body hates hates Will Fuller. He just can't. <laughs> he won't stay healthy. But when he does play, I mean, it was a couple of years ago where I think like thirty percent of his catches were for were for touchdowns whenever he was healthy from Watson. So Watson likes him. He has a rapport with him. Uh, they'll probably draft a quarterback. I'm sorry, they'll probably draft a receiver. But mm-hmm. it, it'll pay, take a you know a couple of games or at least a year to get that report down. So, but yeah, I, I think Will Fuller uh, is, is a great pick. I believe he's also heading into a contract year for anybody who counts those things as as potential upside. Adam, you did, even though you got sniped, you did get your boo, Robbie Anderson. Oh. Um, you take him in this range now that he has signed with Carolina since this pick. Do you think it helps or hurts him based on how you valued him at that time? Yeah, I really don't think there could have been a worse spot for him, him to land. You know, you got a offense that's already got a million weapons, um, and then they got a quarterback that just won't throw the ball downfield. I think Teddy Bridgewater had the NFL's lowest A dot last year. So, I mean, it's, it's best ball. I'm I'm, I'm going to draft him. Hopefully he drops. The eighth round isn't horrible. It's not, it's, it's not going to kill me, but... If I can get him in maybe the tenth round, ninth, tenth round, I would I would love it. I don't know where he's going right now since he signed, but yeah, I wish I literally any other place we would have been better. I think he'll get to be a better spot for him though after PJ Walker takes the job from Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Perfect. On the other side of the turn, he took Johnny Smith at tight end. He was tight end 14 off the board. Jared, what do you think of Johnny Smith being the 14th tight end in this one? I like it. I think that's right where he belongs, and I think. I think we've talked about it. it seems like tight end is deeper at least with guys who have the potential to break out this season I just look here between the seventh and ninth rounds of this draft Noah Fant TJ Hawkinson both guys who could break out in their second seasons Dallas Goddard you know we'll see if he can get enough volume but I think if he does he's a breakout guy and then Johnu Smith Ian Thomas Mike Kosicki all young guys who should be playing bigger roles this season so I, th- I think it's a good year to you know maybe not an FFPC maybe you don't want to wait for you know, one of these guys as your top tight end, but I think it's definitely a good idea to target one of those breakout guys as your you know second tight end in these FFPC drafts. I like the round ten tight ends in this draft better than the round nine. I'll I'll leave those names alone for a couple minutes though. I'm okay with Johnny Smith, Ian Thomas. I, I think that there's potential for the Matt Rule hiring to be bad for Ian Thomas because Matt Rule's teams across Temple and Baylor did almost nothing for tight ends. I mean, we're talking year after year, the top receiving tight end on the team had single digit receptions. So we'll see if that changes into the pros, but it certainly doesn't give me optimism for him. You know, he's tight end 15 in this draft, so it's not outlandish, but there are definitely guys still on the board at this point in the draft that I like better. Yeah, I, I have some concern with Ian Thomas after they added Robbie Anderson, you know, giving them, I think, three pretty solid wide receivers now. I think when we're looking at the Panthers' offense this season, though, we need to be looking more at what Joe Brady did as LSU's offensive coordinator last season. I, I think he's going to have a bigger say in the offense than Matt Rule does. I mean, I, I, I think that we're guessing on who has more say, but we're talking about one guy who was just a passing game coordinator for one season versus a guy who's been, who was an offensive coordinator or a head coach for. I think it was 11 years in college total, or at least seven. 
Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I just I just know Joe Brady, or I've read that Joe Brady is you know already highly respected, you know even in mm-hmm. NFL circles, and you know he obviously just produced one of the the best college offenses we've ever seen at LSU last season. It'll certainly be something to watch and read about as we get closer to the season. Later in this round, I was surprised to see Sony Michelle stick around until running back forty. And Jared, I'll go back to your pick first at, at fourth in the round. You took Ronald Jones as the thirty eighth running back off the board. I'm curious, we've already talked about Ronald Jones before on here. Why Ronald Jones ahead of uh, James White and Sony Michelle at running back? James White, I'm just not a James White guy. I just I don't draft those, you know, pure pass catching running backs. Maybe it's a hole in my game, but I, I just don't. And Sony Michelle, I'd rather draft Damian Harris in the, you know, twentieth round than Sony Michelle. And I know Harris didn't even get on the field last year, but I think Michelle was mostly disappointing and, and they took Harris in the third round last year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Harris at least plays a much bigger role this season. But Ronald Jones is a guy I've honestly been taking a lot of in these early drafts, and I would never have expected that a couple of years ago. But he's pretty much dodged free agency at this point. I mean, there's still guys like Devontae Freeman, Carlos Hyde, who who could come into Tampa and maybe, you know, challenge Ronald Jones for, for the lead job. But I thought Jones, especially over the second half of last season, sort of got it going, sort of looked more like the guy we saw at USC that, you know, made him a second round pick that the Bucks took Jones with the 38th overall pick just a couple of years ago. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think a lot of people think the Bucks are going to take a, you know, first or second round running back next month, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go into the season with Ronald Jones as their lead guy. And if that's the case, you know, I think he should be a fifth or sixth rounder and I got him in the ninth round here. Adam, do you think Jared's on to something or you think he's on something? <laughs> uh, I think he's. I think it's somewhere in the, in the middle. So he, he, I think Ronald Jones is just not a good f- football player. But if they don't draft anybody and they don't sign anybody, uh, I think Ronald Jones could get the volume. But he's got to, you know, he's got to earn Brady's trust. I don't know how he is as a blocker. He's got to be able to block. He's got to be able to catch. You know, so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in like a veteran running back that can do all that stuff. Um, I just, I just don't love, I mean, but Jared's right. He got him in the ninth round. He'll probably, if they don't add anybody, he'll probably be a fifth or sixth round pick in in, in the next couple months. Yeah. I mean, I I can't call Ronald Jones a terrible pick unless we're recording a podcast and I just feel like being a jerk in that case, (laughs) he's a terrible pick, but I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't add something significant because I, I don't think he's the answer either, but you know. It's not that much of a gamble in round nine as, what was he, fourth running back or so probably? Over the second half of last season, so from week nine on, um, when Jones really did get into that lead role, he was 17th among running backs in PPR points. Um, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry over that span, which you know, isn't a great number, but he was also running behind, behind a pretty bad Bucks O line. I think, you know, Peyton Barber was at like 3.5 yards per carry or something. Um, Jones was 18th among 42 qualifying running backs in PFF's elusive rating over that span. So, you know, he was above average there. He also caught 25 of 31 targets over that span. So, you know, he was basically on a 50 catch pace over the second half of last season. Well, he was also helped by injuries at wide receiver. And even from the point where Bruce Arians said he has earned the right to start, Ronald Jones's carry share did not grow at all. Well, he was PPR running back 17 somehow. So (laughs) <laughs> because everybody else got hurt. Uh, there were only like there were only 16 healthy running backs in the league at that point in the season. But, you know, like, like I said, it, I, I, it's I, jokes aside, round nine's a fine time to take a shot on them because even if they draft somebody who plays ahead of Ronald Jones, uh, you didn't waste a whole lot in round nine. Yeah, and I mean, and if the Bucks do take a first or a second round running back, I'll probably be right out again on Ronald Jones. But if they don't, you know, he, he's a guy, unless he gets into like the fourth or fifth round, I'm going to be taking a lot of. 
please Bucks, please take an early running back so I don't have to argue <laughs> about Ronald Jones all summer. They can take Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift if they, if they want to. That'll be perfect. Yeah, please. <laughs> Round 10, we had Nicole Hardman go early. We had Daryl Henderson go at running back 41. That's obviously before the Todd Gurley release. It's definitely not going to happen anymore at this point. Round 10, though, the tight ends are what really interests me here. There's Hayden Hurst left the board as tight end 19 with the fifth pick in the round, and Blake Jarwin at tight end 20. And I was already interested in Blake Jarwin once he got the big extension from the Cowboys, about $8 million a year. But now that Randall Cobb's gone and they didn't sign Emmanuel Sanders after visiting with him to replace Randall Cobb, I mean, at the moment, Blake Jarwin has a path to 100 targets in Dallas. Yeah, I, I I prefer Hayden Hurst among these two guys. Um, you know, he, I wasn't even a fan of him, you know, coming in, in the NFL, but I I think he's a better pass catching, you know, tight end than than Blake Jarwin. I also think I'll have Hayden Hurst projected for more targets. So Hurst is a guy I like here. I'm okay with Jarwin, although there's a few guys that went behind Blake Jarwin that I'd rather have over him at tight end. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up well above consensus on Blake Jarwin when I'm done with my projections, but we'll save arguing about that position until you know we have more numbers to go on you guys both took quarterbacks in this round jared took drew Brees at qb 13 uh and adam took baker mayfield at qb 15 with ryan Tannehill going in between them jared i was a little surprised to see you take drew Brees ahead of baker mayfield but i guess it's just sanity showing through <laughs> no i i have i have Brees ranked pretty comfortably ahead of baker mayfield i'm looking at my rankings now i have him three spots ahead of baker um I mean, Breeze just kept doing it last year. Breeze was the number two quarterback in fantasy points per game in his 10 healthy games last season. Now he adds Emmanuel Sanders to the mix, you know, I think a pretty big upgrade at number two wide receiver. So, you know, we, we know Breeze has the crazy home road splits, but, you know, in best ball here, I'll, I'll take those big games when he's at home. And then, Adam, you doubled up on Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady. You got to feel even better about Brady after he gets Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? Yeah, I think at this point we knew where where Brady was going. I'm definitely excited for Brady. Uh, the Baker pick is like an upside, you know, kind of, you know, hopefully the new the new coaching staff, you know, even added more weapons with Austin Hooper. I don't see how he can't be better than he was last year. Um, and I needed to go, you know, quarterbacks here because you know the run on quarterbacks, and I'm picking on the end here. So, um, but yeah, Brady really intrigues me. So I think he was the 16th quarterback taken. And I just, I really think he's going to throw for 30 scores. I mean, the weapons he has there are sensational. I mean, there aren't many more places he could have gone to find better weapons. So I think the 30 touchdown mark is definitely within reach for him. And I went back and looked at last year and all the quarterbacks that that scored 30 total touchdowns were all in in, in the top five. So I realize he doesn't bring anything to the rushing mix, but, but even Josh Allen, who's terrible had uh, 29 touchdowns. And he was, he was, he was ranked sixth. So even if he gets you 29, 30 scores with no rushing, I think he's going to be a top eight quarterback and I got him 16th here. So I would be interested to see kind of where he settles in at come, come August. Yeah. I mean, even if he finishes, you know, 10th to 12th overall, if he's throwing, if he does approach or reach 30 touchdowns, we're talking about a guy who has at least like half a season worth of top six QB finishes. Yeah, I, I think this is the right spot for Tom Brady at like quarterback sixteen. Um, you know, if he can just not fall off the cliff this season, I think he he's a good bet to beat this price tag. I, I do think there's some risk there as a guy who's well, like forty three years old now. There's obviously some, obviously some risk that he's just out of gas. But at quarterback sixteen, I like him. I can see him climbing, especially as we get into like August. And you know, if you're getting into some of your like home leagues, I can see Brady climbing to like quarterback seven or eight. And at that price, I'll definitely be out. 
And then, Jared, you took your second quarterback at the fourth pick of round 11, Daniel Jones at QB 18 with Kirk Cousins going in between Brady and Jones. I mean, believe in Daniel Jones or not, I think QB 18 is a great spot to be able to get him. Yeah, and as I talked about earlier, I I like this Giants offense with all the weapons they have. I mean, they have three quality wide receivers. They have one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. They have a a, a strong pass-catching tight end. So it's all sort of set up there for Daniel Jones, who also, as he showed last year, can add some some value with his legs. Um, You know, Jones was quarterback 12 last season in FFPC points per game, and he he showed that massive ceiling. He had four games of 33-plus FFPC points last season. So, again, especially in best ball, those spike weeks are sort of what you're looking for. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones rushing uh, is really what gets him up there. You know, he's able to he's able to run, able to buy time, able to get those yards with his legs. Uh, I think Jones is the exactly like you said. He's someone you're looking to to take in best ball, especially uh, late after all the quarterbacks are taken. Uh, kind of to go back to my my Mayfield, I, I kind of got sniped on Tannehill too. In these in these best balls, I mm-hmm. like to I like to stack uh, cheap cheap offenses. So I was trying to get the get the Titans last year. I, I had the Bills this year. Um, this early in the year, it's kind of hard to decide what team. But um, the Titans ended up kind of falling to me, and I like to stack whole offenses cheaply so that when they do go off, you end up uh, getting them. You know, when I had uh, you know I had, I had AJ Brown and I had Johnu Smith, and I was going to try to get uh, the, the quarterback there too. And I took Corey Davis later. So, uh, but yeah, I got sniped on the, on, the, on the QB there. I probably would have taken Tannehill over over Baker. Yeah, and I, I like doing that as well when you're in this range of the draft trying to stack, especially quarterbacks with uh, wide receivers and maybe higher volume tight ends. Jared, you tend to like stacking in that way as well, right? Yeah, I definitely look to. I mean, I don't force it, especially in the early rounds, but as we get into the later rounds, you know, I'll if I have two guys similarly ranked, I'll, I'll take you know the guy who's going to give me a stack. I was able to do that here again with that Giants offense taking Evan Ingram in the fifth, and I got Daniel Jones in the 11th, and then I took um, Golden Tate in the 13th, so I have three Giants on this team. Were you mad, though, that Adam took Sterling Shepard <laughs> from you in his own timeout at the 12-13th turn? <laughs> you know, I actually, I do have Shepard ranked a, a bit ahead of Golden Tate, so I, I would have taken Shepard if he had gotten to me. Any other picks that you guys want to um, hit on, either from your teams or from the draft in general beyond the rounds that we've already talked about, Adam, by you. Yeah, so like I kind of said before, I, I I took Corey Davis in the seventeenth because I just wanted to. I did, couldn't get the quarterback, but at least I got all the all the receiving options there with the Titans. So, you know, when they have big games, I'll I'll have big games. And like you said, you don't you don't force it early, but if it falls to you, uh, it's nice, especially when you, when you can get them for cheap. And then in the nineteenth round, I took I took Cole Beasley. Uh, he was a wide receiver three last year, um, ranked thirty fourth in PPR. And honestly, he's his role in Buffalo. I think is least likely to to, to change. Um, and I think I took him as the seventy sixth receiver. I actually spent the time to count that out. But um, <laughs> so there's there's no way he finishes the seventy sixth. I think his role is going to stay the same. He's going to work on the slot. He uh, Josh Allen trusts him, and they they work really well together. So I still I think he's going to be a a cheap wide receiver three. He's not a you know great best ball guy because he's not going to have those huge spike weeks. But he's going to get you a consistent you know twelve points every, every single week. Yeah, and there, there's value to those floor guys, too, because, you know, especially as the bye weeks start to hit in the middle of the season, you sort of start running low on, on wide receivers who are playing. It's 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 valuable to have someone who you can count on, you know, just giving you a 10 or 12 spot in case no one else goes off on your team. I think Randall Cobb is a similar prospect in that range. Went in round 18 of the draft. He's wide receiver 67 in best ball 10s just over the past six days. So I think he's going to be a similar value and, and really in a spot that doesn't really have a true number one receiver anymore. Um, 
Yuri, do you have any other picks that you want to hit on before we head out? I'll say my, my biggest mistake of this draft, I, I was just sleeping at the wheel, I guess, here, but I took James Washington in the 17th when Kenny Stills was still available. Um, and, you know, this was obviously after DeAndre Hopkins was traded. I think Kenny Stills in the 18th, I think that's crazy value. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of his game, and, you know, there are obviously a ton of targets to go around now in Houston. So I, I think Stills um, is a guy who, you know, should be going four or five rounds earlier than that. Beyond that, you know, I was, I was just doing my usual, getting my three kickers, three defenses in these FFPC best balls, and then, Kelvin Harmon's guy I wanted to talk about, and I got him in the 28th round. I think no no one's excited about that Redskins offense, but you know Harmon's a guy who I think has a pretty clear path to be the number two wide receiver in Washington this season. You know, opposite Terry McLaurin, um, you know he started to come on a bit down the stretch last year. So to to get him in the 28th round, I, I think I think I was happy with that. I think Philly receivers are getting a bit overlooked with Deshaun Jackson going late in round 14 and Alshon Jeffrey going in the middle round 16. I mean. He hasn't been released, so he. I don't. I don't think he's about to go to the sideline in favor of somebody else. Yeah, I, I, I just worry about his injury. That uh, it was a list Frank, I believe, in like December. We'll have to keep an eye on his rehab. But in in the sixteenth round, yeah, I mean, if he's if he's healthy, he's someone who should still probably be going in like the tenth or eleventh. So there there's some you're getting a discount there on on Alshon. Yeah, there's just there's just so many good rookie receivers this year that. You just don't know what team, who teams are going to draft. And they're, you know, and a lot of these teams that are receiver needy, they have two first round picks. So there's no way they're not going to, some of these teams aren't going to take these top notch receivers. And, you know, they're going to blow up receiving uh, cores as far as like where guys are going to be slotted and who's the number one, who's the number two. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how, how that works out. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. We will be posting the full board from this draft with the podcast on DraftSharks.com, including when Adam timed out on his back-to-back picks and when Jared timed out because he's getting sleepier. Um, Jared's going to be updating his best ball rankings in the coming week for DS Insiders on the site. And we're still pumping out Dynasty Prospect scouting reports one a day on DraftSharks. So you just heard Adam talking about the loaded wide receiver class. We're writing up those guys. That's Jared's department. So check those out. Those are all free reads. Make sure you check them out on DraftSharks.com. Even if you're just the best ball player and not on the dynasty train, because you're still going to want to know about these rookie players before they have landing spots. You can find all of us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. And Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. Adam, thank you for joining us today. We should do it again sometime. No problem. Thanks for having me. For Adam Krautwurst, Jared Smola, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming the boat.